Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Broadcasting live from Planet Madison, where everything is beyond parody. This is the Vicki McKenna Show. To be a part of the program, in Madison, call 321-1310. Statewide, call toll-free at 877-235-1310. Or email vicki at wiba.com. Now, here's Vicki McKenna. Good afternoon, you exceptional Americans and my fellow deplorables. How do you do? It is Thursday, December 28th, 2017, the dwindling last days of 2017 in the year of our Lord. I am Matt Kittle filling in for Vicki McKenna today, tomorrow. Uh, enjoy your two-drink minimum and please tip your waitresses. Our friend and producer across the way is the great, the late great. Joel Finkelman. Late great. Otherwise known as late, as in you were you were late to the producer booth today because you were getting your sandwich, which reminds me, remind me later on in the program, we are going to have a little venting session about bad sandwich artists, okay? Yeah. We we're gonna commiserate, although your story is not nearly as compelling as mine. But oh, we'll, it's, it's we'll compelling share. to me, dang it. Well, of course, it happened to you. It's very compelling. Yeah. we got a big show ahead, and we're going to have to get right to it here momentarily. Let's tell you what's on the show. The EPA plans to designate a big swath of southeast Wisconsin, Racine, Waukesha, Washington, Ozaki, and Milwaukee counties, an ozone non-attainment region under Obama's strict ozone standards. Part of Dane, Kenosha, Sheboygan, Manitowoc counties would also fall under the non-attainment classification. That spells bad news for economic development in the region. Could it hinder the Foxconn development? Lucas Weber, general counsel and director of environmental policy for the Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, will join us, uh, what, after 4 o'clock today to talk a little bit more about that. Got some dispatches from John Doe land. And coming up next, it's a little something we talked about yesterday, but the top hate crime hoaxes of 2017. Gentleman uh, who is co-editor of a great publication called College Fix will be joining us right around the corner. I'm telling you, it's an action-packed show. You want to stick around. You won't want to miss a minute. It's the Vicki McKenna Show right here and now on the Vicki McKenna Worldwide Radio Network. Just 2017 was the year of hate crime, hoaxes on college campuses. So it goes in the age of Trump and the hostile left, the unhinged hostile left. Daniel Payne, co-editor of The College Fix, joins us to talk about a recent uh, story in uh, The College Fix detailing the top hate crime hoaxes, if you will, of the year. And they go into a number of them. The fact that there are 10 
top 10 tells you a little bit about where we are at in this country right now. And uh, we'll have to find out where it's all going. Daniel, good morning to you, sir. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Matt. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you getting up with us early. You're out on the East Coast, correct? I am, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's cold here as well. All right. We, we sent that to you, so you can thank the Midwest once again <laughs> for the great thing. Now, we'll send you a little more snow. I don't know if you are in the uh, uh, Erie, Pennsylvania area, but if you are, you're probably shoveling as we're talking. Yeah, no, thankfully we dodged that, that particular deluge, and uh, it's, just, it's just dry down here. All right, dry and cold. There you have it. But it is late December, after all, in the northern United States. All right, this is an interesting piece, and it was written by an Amanda Tidwell. She actually is a student, right, at Ohio State University, but this appears on College Fix, which is a, you know, I, I, I think a clearinghouse of some of the best information you need to know about what's going on on American campuses today. But it, it begins this way. Over the last year, it seems as if more campus hate crimes turned out to be hoaxes than legitimate acts of hate. Schools tended to be fertile ground for overzealous students looking to prove there is hate where none exist. You have 17 examples in 2017. I uh, understated that. I thought there was a top 10. I saw another story on that. But... 17 examples, wouldn't you agree, Daniel, suggest something about the state of our society on our college campuses? Yeah, and the fact that, I mean, you know, you certainly have to narrow it down to 17 because uh, there's plenty to choose from. But, uh, yeah. But, but yeah, when you've, when you've got, uh, you know, a nearly a top 20 lists of, of hate crime hoaxes in one year alone, um, that I think says something about a lot of the the political motivations going on in this country. That there are actually, yeah, a lot of people out there uh, who, if they can't find some form of hate or discrimination, uh, are so desperate to to sort of tout it and and uh, experience it that they're just going to manufacture it themselves. I I can't imagine uh, why anybody would want to do that. It's beyond me, but clearly many people are. Some of this is just mental illness. Some people want to be in the spotlight, and they don't care how they get there, and I think that that's uh, part and parcel, or at least a symptom of a a greater problem of celebrity in this country and the the willingness to do anything to be a celebrity among those who, you know, are, are... of having mental problems. But that said, we also have the sort of mental illness, if you will, or the sort of rage that was created uh, after President Trump had the, uh, <laughs> well, just decided to go and get elected. Uh, <laughs> how, how, much, how much of this is driven by the, uh, the, the Trump uh, hatred syndrome that's going on uh, on the left these days? Oh, I mean, there, there, there are plenty of examples where, uh, where you can uh, pretty pretty well directly trace uh, the motivations behind these hoaxes to, to the election of Donald Trump. Uh, there, was a, there was one uh, uh, case that took place shortly after Trump was sh- uh, sworn in, um, where a, a San Diego University student uh, claimed that uh, she was harassed by, uh, by some men in a parking garage uh, who invoked the name of Donald Trump, uh, attacked her, um, and stole her car. 
uh, and uh, all of this apparently because they were inspired by the, you know, the hateful and terrible election of Donald Trump. Turned out afterward, we found out that story was entirely manufactured, and she just actually forgot where she parked the car. <laughs> so you can you can see people kind of seizing on on this uh, the hysteria surrounding Trump's election and presidency to to advance a narrative that in many cases uh, simply does not exist at all. Yeah, very very. Uh... Very amazing. Uh, Daniel Payne, co-editor of the College Fix, joins us to talk about this. In the College Fix today, you'll find the story. A two, uh, 2017, the year of hate crime hoaxes. How does this year compare with previous years? We talk about the whole Trump derangement syndrome. Are there more this year on college campuses, more of these uh, hate crime hoaxes than we've seen in years past? You know, I, I, I think that there has been an uptick. There there are plenty every year. I mean they're 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 mm-hmm. always there and our student reporters are always reporting on them. Um but but this year really did seem to see a rise in, in both the number of incidents and the the uh crazy response to them. Uh one of our uh, one of our staff reporters, um, he was at uh Saint Olaf College this year. Uh, reporting on what turned out to be a a, uh, a fake hate crime, somebody found a, a racist note left on their car's windshield, uh, and that turned out to be a total hoax. But before it was exposed as a hoax, uh, the campus was kind of effectively shut down by by mobs of you know uh, uh, hundreds of of student protesters responding to this note. So not only do you see more people and more students perpetrating these hoaxes. But the response becomes ever crazier and, in some cases, ever more destructive. So it's, it's two sides of kind of a terrible point. Yeah, that is a very good point. I want to focus on that because we have seen the chilling of speech, of course, on college campuses across the country. In the main, of late, the chilling of conservative speech. What do these sorts of responses by administrators or before we get there, the environment that's already created about this hypersensitive nature of, of hate crimes um, and the notion that they're being committed at every turn in every classroom and every dorm room out there, what does that do uh, to the college experience today? Yeah, I mean, what you see is is folks just assuming, even as, even as each hate crime is exposed as a hoax, um, it, it contributes to the idea that there is this, this climate of hate and intolerance on, on college campuses across the country. Students just can't shake that. They're, they're, they're convicted of that. Uh, so many of them are. Um, so you do see a, a kind of chilling, a, a freezing up of, of a lot of um, uh, vibrant discourse on our campuses, that uh, students are afraid to, to say something that might be even moderately unpopular or, uh, you know, moderately controversial because they're worried that, that they're going to get turned into the next hate crime hoax, and they're worried that uh, their, you know, fellow students are going to gang up on them. So it's, it's contributed to this environment that, uh, that has really kind of stifled a lot of, a lot of debate and discourse on campuses, uh, really to the detriment of, of higher education across the country. Daniel Payne, co-editor of The College Fix, joins us. The story today, year in review, 17 campus hate crimes.
that turned out to be hoaxes in 2017. Before we get into a few more details, a few more of examples or the uh, perhaps the, the the strangest examples of uh, hate crime hoaxes on college campuses, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't note that what these hoaxes ultimately do, at least at some level, is diminish real hate crimes that do occur in our institutions of higher education. That's not to say, it's not to say simply because we have hate crime hoaxes that there aren't hate crimes perpetrated, just like there are hate crimes perpetrated everywhere else in society. The incidents are not as high as the social justice warriors claim, that we know, but what does this do to real hate crimes perpetrated on college campuses? Yeah, there is a great concern that, that what this ultimately does is, is it dilutes the the impact of, of yeah, genuine hate, genuine crimes, uh, genuine violence and discrimination. And that, that could be a serious problem um, because... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, there are, there are instances where people are, are genuinely discriminated against. Uh, there, is, there are, you know, terrible people uh, on campuses and across the country. Uh, and when when those actual incidents happen, you want a proper response to them. You want the community to come together to condemn it. You want the authorities to uh, to uh, prosecute it as best they can. And when you have an environment where you know seemingly one out of every four of these incidents uh, is is turned out to be fake and just politically motivated. There is a really strong concern that what that is going to do is 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 cause people to just look away or shrug or assume that uh, that when it finally does happen that it's false. So the the, the students and, and folks who are perpetrating these hoaxes think that they're raising awareness about this problem. In the end, they may actually be lowering it. I can tell you that the news organization that I work for, MacGyver News Service, MacGyver Institute. It's done a lot of work in this area, including uh, digging into, I have a colleague, a couple of colleagues who have dug into the hate and bias response teams on the University of Wisconsin-Madison campus. Uh, We will have more information. We've already reported uh, a a number of stories on that front. We'll have more information coming uh, about that after the first of the year. But it is amazing what constitutes in the minds of some students a hate crime, and you look at it and you say, really? That's what you think a hate crime is? It could be something as benign as somebody called somebody a bad word, and they think that that's, you know, and I'm not talking about a racial slur. I'm just talking about, you know, a profane name, an obscene name, and that is reported as a hate crime. How much more of that are we seeing? Are we seeing more of that based on the hypersensitivity that's going on in college campuses and these massive databases of hate and bias that uh, are collected on campuses? I think so, because it, in addition to, to 
do have people who who just want a slice of the pie, however they can get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I think you you have seen this kind of dumbing down of of what was once considered a, a pretty serious and specific term. Um, you know, we we were all raised. I was certainly raised. Uh, knowing what a hate crime is, uh, it was an act either of of violence or or uh, you know serious discrimination or or, or bias uh, motivated by uh, you know ideology or skin color or something like that. Um, you know that it, it had a meaning and it packed some punch. Uh, but these days there is significant sort of socio political motivation uh, for a lot of folks, especially on college campuses. Uh, to to be the victim and to play the victim and to to feel victimized. So when when there's that kind of motivation, um, you're naturally going to to have folks who are searching to broaden the definition of a hate crime uh, so that they might be able to experience it. And uh, and again, that that kind of has the same effect as as faking hate crimes. It just makes the actual instance of hate uh, uh, taken less seriously. And I'll tell you what, these are the most appalling examples right here. Uh, this occurred in April of this year. Black black guy hangs no black people allowed sign at USC. The University of Southern California's Department of Public Safety confirmed that the person who had adhered a sign reading no black people allowed that featured a makeshift Confederate flag and hashtag MAGA on a gate of a campus residence was African American. Um, listen a- again. Let's point back to the real discrimination, the real bias, the real hate crimes that are occurring. This just absolutely does a number on those real incidents, and and, and I think these are among the the more appalling cases of hate crime hoaxes. Yeah, and it's just again, it's not clear what that individual sought to, to, to accomplish by doing this. I, it, it seems hard to believe that he didn't realize that, that this would be exposed as a hoax. You know what we um, get over and over again, though, Daniel? I, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but we get over and over the response when asked about these sorts of things. On so many occasions, we get from the hoaxers, well, I just wanted to draw attention to the broader problem. I wanted to create a dialogue. We keep getting this nonsense that's based on false reports, and in some cases, false reports that indict not only an individual, but a whole race of people. Yeah, and it's, it's again, it's not... They're trying to create a dialogue, but, but again, what ends up happening is, is people just get more tired of it when... when the, it's a matter of, you know, well, let's start a conversation around this. Well, well, this didn't actually happen. It was a hoax. So when you, when you try and make this uh, to be a conversation starter, uh, when you're doing it this way, you just end up killing the conversation. And, and so I, I, don't, I don't quite understand, even especially after all this time and after all these hoaxes have been revealed, and it's clear that this is really a losing strategy, the fact that it continues to happen is, is really culturally fascinating. It's, it's a phenomenon that, that's really kind of hard to explain. Yeah, again, aren't there enough real examples where you can have a dialogue or bring attention right. to? Thanks so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. This is a great piece, and you can find it at The College Fix. Google The College Fix, you'll find it, or 
thecollegefix.com. Great reporting about what is really going on in our college campuses around the country, and you will find stories indeed from the University of Wisconsin system here as well. Again, Daniel Payne, co-editor of The College Fix. Uh, Happy New Year to you, and thanks again for joining us. We'll have to have you on real soon, okay? Hey, Matt, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Thanks much to Daniel Payne, co-editor of The College Fix. Let's take a quick break. We'll uh, get back to it coming up next on The Vicki McKenna Show. How do, how do. You do just fine. It's Thursday, and we're getting dangerously close to a weekend. That's a good thing. A little snow in the Madison area, making driving fun. Uh, should be a nice, smooth commute this afternoon in the old Beltline, huh? And wherever you have to be, just be careful out there. Kittle in for Vicky today. Vicky will be back in with you tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'll be here tomorrow. What day is today? Where am I? I'm so confused. Vicki will be back in with you on Tuesday, the day after New Year's, and you can guarantee that she is going to have a few things to talk about. Until then, it's you and me, baby. And, of course, uh, Babe Finkelman over there, the hammer, Joel Finkelman, our producer. Dial us up at 321-1310, toll-free 877-235-1310. What's on your mind? I'm listening. Oh, uh, a little disclaimer, as always, as we like to do and as we need to do. I am Matt Kittle. I am an investigative reporter at MacGyver News Service, MacGyver Institute, located in the belly of the liberal beast, Madison, Wisconsin, home of Mayor Mustache, would-be Governor Mustache. The thoughts and opinions expressed by said host up until this point and until we say adieu tonight are the thoughts and opinions of said host and do not necessarily reflect those thoughts and opinions of MacGyver Institute, its management or staff. They're all mine, baby, but I will share them with you because I dig you. Do you ever get that um you ever get that moment where you read something or you learn something about a person and you go, ah, oh, that's too bad. I guess they suck. And you, know, you go about your life and you think, I thought that guy was a pretty good guy. I thought that gal was pretty nice. I thought that person was pretty all right. And then all of a sudden that person... Say an actor, well-esteemed in cinema, starts to get political. And then you say, oh, my God, not this guy. Not this guy, please. There it is. And here is case in point. According to Vanity Fair which I don't turn to too often, but you'll see the story elsewhere as well. This is the first one I saw it in. Tom Hanks would not be interested in screening The Post for Donald Trump. The actor says he wouldn't want to take the film to the White House, even if he were invited. Tom Hanks would like to put Donald Trump on notice. When asked by The Hollywood Reporter if he would be interested in doing a screening of The Post, Steven Spielberg's timely journalism drama at the White House, the actor quickly and unequivocally declined. I don't think I would, he told The Hollywood Reporter. 
Look, I didn't think things were going to be this way last November. I would not have been able to imagine that he would be that we would be living in a country where neo-Nazis are doing torchlight parades in Charlottesville, Virginia, and jokes about Pocahontas are being made in front of the Navajo code talkers. So you get to this point, right? And you think to yourself, man, I love that Saving Private Ryan. That was something else. What a great film, huh? And I remember many, many moons ago watching Bosom Buddies and thinking, this, now this is it. <laughs> no, nobody watched Bosom Buddies with Tom Hanks and Peter Scalara and said, wow, we've got ourselves Academy Award winners potentially someday. But you know what I mean. Tom Hanks has been a very accomplished actor, and nobody nowhere can take that away from him. He's been an exceptional actor. Apollo 13, Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, and the aforementioned Saving Private Ryan, one of my all-time favorite movies. But then they open their mouths in public life, and I think, wow, you can be very accomplished in one aspect of your life and still let stupid fall out. You ever get to that point? I, we've, I know we've had a lot of that over the last, last year. Okay, he, he's not happy with Donald Trump, obviously. He's upset that Donald Trump jokes about Elizabeth Warren, the senator from Massachusetts, who really did, quite frankly, truly disgrace Native Americans by claiming that she was at any, any level a Native American why? Not so that she could be cool, I guess, in a conversation at a cocktail party and say, hey, you know, my great-grandfather was part of the fill-in-the-blank tribe. No, she did. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It, because she wanted to game the system so she could get a reduced tuition to a, the most prominent law school in America. And she is going around telling us, the rest of us, the deplorables, how bad we are and how bad the person is that you put into office. I don't have any time for that. I don't have any time for these Hollywood actors immersed in the left who see nothing but their own existences, their own personal experiences, who cannot break out of Hollywood, who have lived in a bubble far too long. On a different topic, we turn to the mustache. Chris in Portage on Mayor Mustache. Yes, sir. How are you? Oh, good. I think uh, seeing how the rest of the state of Wisconsin absolutely hates Madison, um, us Walker supporters... Need a bolt mayor mustache on the ballot against Walker. <laughs> now why? That, now why do you say that, pray tell, Chris? Oh, that's a definite shoo-in for Walker. <laughs> you know who told me that the other day? 
I was filling in for uh, a colleague, Jay Weber, iHeart uh, Radio over in uh, Milwaukee on WISN, and I had a conversation with Assembly Majority Leader Jim Steinecke, and I asked him that question. I said, are you shaking in your boots that Mayor Mustache Paul Soglin is about to declare his candidacy? And you know what he said to me, Chris? He said, every night before I go to bed, one part of my prayer is that Paul Soglin will be the candidate to face Governor Scott Walker. Well, let's hope so. Let's make it happen. <laughs> you know, you can do that in the primary if you so choose. Absolutely. We all should do it. There's your plan, buddy. Thanks for Take sharing. Care, sir. Yeah, I appreciate it. I do. I often say this, of course, Mayor Mustache, in a crowded field like what we have in the gubernatorial campaign of 2018, what do we have, eight Democrats already on the ballot or about to be on the ballot? You really got to differentiate yourself. You really have to separate yourself from the pack. And I'll tell you, old Mayor Mustache, he does. I don't believe, and I and it, it, correct me please if I'm wrong, I don't believe there's one Democrat in this field, in this crowded field, with the exception of old Mayor Mustache, that has given the keys of his city to a despotic communist tyrant, as Paul Soglin did with... Um, with good old Fidel Castro. We'll take a break. i got a few thoughts, uh, some interesting notes on the United Airlines problems with a congresswoman who apparently not only struggles with first-class comfort, but also struggles with the truth. Stick around. More to come. It's the Vicki McKenna Show with yours truly, Matt Kittle, on the Vicki McKenna Worldwide Radio Network. Edna, Ed, how you doing? Feeling good? Feeling fine. 321-1310, toll free, 877-235-1310. You're in the Radio Rumpus Room with Kittle, filling in for Vicky this afternoon. And across the way, of course, is the multi-talented, multi-faceted Mr. Hammer himself. Oh, thanks so much. Producer. Absolutely. Be nice to the Hammer. He'll be nice to you, get you on the air, all of that sort of thing. Have you ever had an experience like that where you, uh, you've, it's a celebrity of some kind, someone well-known, and you've followed that person's career, and you've always enjoyed that person, be it in movies or sports or, you know, the artistic community, the music community, whatever the case may be. And then all of a sudden, you hear the person speak or say something really stupid or really not in their domain, and you think to yourself, yeah, hell of a, hell of a first baseman, hell of a guitarist, but uh, what a dope. Uh, I have one serious, one not. Uh-huh. Uh, one not as serious, the uh, lead singer for Blink-182, a band I grew up listening to a lot. Uh, I, I think there are thousands who have gone through the Blink-142 situation. <laughs> 142, I love it. Um, no, but uh, the, the, the former singer, the original singer of the band, uh, now is not with the band anymore, mm-hmm. uh, is kind of a, a crazy conspiracy aliens dude yeah like he's made like a documentary on aliens like wow and you never knew this he he never you never got this well i mean i don't know but he he just 
kind of went off the deep end a little bit. So yeah. now it's, you know, now you kind of hear this, the band and you're like, oh. Oh right. yeah, forgot about that. The other one, um, Steven Seagal, maybe a little bit. Really, Steven Seagal? Fun. You didn't see that train coming off the tracks a long time ago. No, I did. But fun career, you know, goofy movies, uh huh, karate, and and then things got a little weird, a little fast. Yeah, you know, for my liking, it got it got uh, rough real fast. Now I understand. You know, I I think that uh, Stein did this on Russia's show this afternoon, and if you missed it, it, it was it was pretty good. It was pretty funny, and he was talking. It was just a little bit of a comment right before they hit the break, and he said he was talking about this Russell Simmons, right? Big rap star, rap mogul, rap producer. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what he does in the rap game. He's a mogul. But he's very rich. He's very rich. He's a mogul. And moguls, you know, that's the thing. They make a lot of money. We don't exactly know what they do. They mogul. And uh, but well respected, well renowned in the rap community. Oh, he co-founded Def Jam Records. So Def that's, Jam that's Records. Pretty, that's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty. I guess I don't know. I don't have any Def Jam Estimated Records. Estimated net worth of three hundred and forty million. He's a very wealthy mogul, but now he is, of course, like so many other celebrities, under the shadow, under the cloud of sexual harassment, sexual violations, all kinds of sexual problems. And you know the Def Jam rap songs. You know what they're what, what a lot of those songs are about, right? They're about taking advantage of women and degrading women. And if there was ever a war on women, it would be these songs, these collection of songs, this genre of music. And yet there are women who are saying, "Well, I went to Mr. Simmons' house and." Um, I was surprised to find he propositioned me. He uh, he acted uh, in a very highly sexualized manner. Wait, Have you wait. listened to the music? People in a position of power who are also wealthy do really dumb stuff. No way. Yes, but then it, but here the, the broader point is. Listen to the crap that he's produced about abusing women and treating women very badly and treating them with total disrespect and worse than that. Listen to the music. You, you had to have known, okay? He pretty much told you going in. Coming up right around the corner, the EPA, Obama's EPA, back at it, lingers on. We'll tell you more next on The Vicki McKenna Show. The views expressed on the following program are not necessarily the views of WIBA, its management sponsors or staff. Broadcasting live from Planet Madison, where everything is beyond parody. This is the Vicki McKenna Show. To be a part of the program, in Madison, call 321-1310. Statewide, call toll-free at 877-235-1310. Or email vicki at wiba.com. Now, here's Vicki McKenna. Afternoon, thrill-seekers. Welcome to the ride. Matt Kittle in for Vicki McKenna on the Vicki McKenna Show on the Vicki McKenna Worldwide Radio Network. How do you do? Getting close to the end of the day, getting close to the end of the week, getting close to the end of the year. Are there any late, last-minute things that you wanted to get accomplished in 2017 and you're thinking to yourself, man... 
I really blew the first 360-plus days <laughs> this year. Really didn't get to that. I have resolved, perhaps I said this yesterday, I don't remember, uh, but I'll say it again. My resolution this year is to do less. Less. Now, I will do more if the more involves napping. If the more involves watching useless television and not having to think too much. If the more involves doing the things that I enjoy doing in my leisure time, like reading Civil War era biographies and histories. That I'll do. Other than that, 2018, my resolution is to do less. Coming up on the big show right around the corner, we will talk with Lucas Weber of the Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce. You know, Obama's EPA and his, the, the rules promulgated under his EPA, the oppressive regulations involved, are about to hit Wisconsin pretty hard, including Dane County, including many portions of Southeast County, what they call the Wow Counties, Milwaukee, Waukesha, Washington, all of those counties, including Racine, this new suite of regulations, restrictive regulations we're about to talk about, could have an impact and a negative one on the Foxconn development. Stick around for that. We will get to that in just a bit. Also, later on in the program, in the 5 o'clock hour, a conversation with a gentleman I like to refer to as a First Amendment freedom fighter, Eric O'Keefe, targeted in the infamous John Doe investigation, will give us a little more perspective, his thoughts on the latest developments and dispatches from John Doe land. And at some point on the big program, Joel and I will share experiences horror stories of bad sandwich artists. Oh, speaking of horror stories, looks like uh, Texas U.S. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee's racism card got played a little too early. Got played a little too falsely. Perhaps if we get a chance, we'll go through that this hour. We got so much to do, we got to get to it. Kittle here, you're there. Stick around. It's the Vicki McKenna Show. Well, thanks, Obama. Remember, President, former President Barack Obama saying of the economy and its robust performance this year that he somehow was responsible for it all and coined the term, thanks, Obama. Well, as much as he was not responsible for the economy and the pickup that we have seen. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In all facets of it, we can also say in jest, thanks, Obama. 
for the stiff requirements adopted under the Obama administration's EPA and the clear, the Clean Air Act requiring EPA to designate areas in the United States after the agency set its new national ambient air quality standard, the NAAQS, revising the existing standard, and Wisconsin has gone through the red tape process. And here's where the trouble begins. Thanks, Obama. The EPA plans to designate a big swath of southeast Wisconsin. That would include Racine, Waukesha, Washington, Ozaki, and Milwaukee counties, an ozone non-attainment region under Obama's strict ozone standards. Parts of Dane, Kenosha, Sheboygan, Manitowoc counties would also fall under the non-attainment classification. That spells bad news for economic development in the region. Could it hinder the Foxconn development? That's a big question that's out there involving this whole saga as well. Lucas Weber, General Counsel and Director of Environmental Policy for the Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, joins us to break it all down what it all means. Lucas, good afternoon, sir. Great to be with you, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's good. I'm so glad that you're here. As a matter of fact, I don't know if too many folks know about it. Give us the background on where it began, the process, what Wisconsin had to go through, what Wisconsin requested, and ultimately what the EPA is deciding here. Yeah, so this all really began in earnest in 2015. Uh, the Obama administration promulgated a new standard, uh, what's called the National Ambient Air Quality Standard, as you mentioned, under the Clean Air Act for ozone, which is one of the six criteria pollutants regulated by the EPA. Uh, what they did was they lowered it from 75 parts per billion with a B down to 70 parts per billion with a B. Um, and in doing so, as soon as they did that, the state of Wisconsin had to uh, reevaluate all of our counties and determine uh, which ones we believed would be in non-attainment. Uh, so in 2016, Governor Walker submitted a letter of recommendation to the EPA that recommended the entire state be classified as attainment uh, with that standard. And just last week, Friday, we were told by EPA that they intend to disagree with Governor Walker's classification for 10 of the counties uh, in Wisconsin. And uh, they're required to do that. They're required to give the state of Wisconsin 120 days notice uh, whenever they intend to disagree with the state. So we basically were put on notice that come April, you know, spring of, of 2018, they intend to promulgate uh, some non-attainment zones in the state of Wisconsin. What does that mean? I talked about the potential for disruption of economic development, disruption of manufacturing, our base in these counties, our base in Wisconsin. What could it ultimately mean in terms of Wisconsin's economy, Wisconsin's manufacturers? Yeah, so we, you know, we've seen this here in Wisconsin before. Uh, we were previously in non-attainment. Um, what it means is it makes it a lot more difficult to grow or to site an exi- or to site a new facility or expand an existing facility. So, if you are a, a manufacturer, for example, which is our number one employment sector here in Wisconsin, and you are a large manufacturer, you're going to need to get what's called a Title V permit, a major source permit from the EPA. Uh, if you are in a non-attainment zone and you go to get that permit, a whole host of new restrictions apply to you. Probably the most uh, impactful of which is called an offset requirement. So for every unit of a, of a criteria pollutant that you want to put into the air, you must first find an offset of greater than that pollutant to take out of the air. So you really 
you can't grow emissions in an area. We call it a no-growth zone. Uh, it's really uh, very, very hindrance for any kind of manufacturing activity in those areas. Uh, like I said, we've seen it here in Wisconsin. We know the impact it can have on our economy. And uh, we're kind of waiting to see what that final action from EPA will look like. Well, the big question, of course, is in general what this will mean. But in particular... In one of these counties, Racine County, of course, we have a transformational economic development project going on. That's Foxconn Technology Group, and it's planned to build a manufacturing campus, if you will, a city unto itself, employing thousands of people at maximum capacity, 13,000 people alone there, not to mention the 10,000 construction jobs, not to mention the thousands of other support jobs connected to it. Do we have any idea? of what these rules, these EPA rules, thanks to the Obama administration, would have on that development project? Well, we know uh, we don't know right now the specifics of exactly what action EPA is going to take. Now, they did give us a preliminary notice last week uh, that hints at what they're going to do, that, well, it basically says what they're going to do. Um, but until they make the final promulgation, uh, and we know exactly when it's all going to take effect, we won't know for sure what the impact will be. But suffice it to say, it doesn't make life uh, any easier. Um, and importantly, in their decision, uh, they, they really relied on three monitors that were not retaining or were not reaching the standard. Uh, those three monitors, two of them are located in Ozaki County, and one of them is located in far northeast Milwaukee County in the village of Bayside. Uh, there are actually two monitors in downtown Milwaukee close to industry that show attainment with the standard, that show that the air there is actually clean uh, in ozone under, the, under this more stringent standard. So EPA is using the third monitor and the two in Ozaki County to hold uh, the entire counties of Racine, Milwaukee, Waukesha, Washington, and Ozaki in non-attainment. So yeah, any any major source, any manufacturing facility uh, that wants to site in those counties would would be subject to you know the non-attainment new source review, the more stringent offset requirements, uh, and some additional oversight from EPA as they go through permitting. Let me ask you this straight out. Again, we don't know exactly what would happen, but we we have an idea of what we know what's happened in the past. We know what could happen in terms of stiff regulation. Could this stifle the Foxconn development? You know, I think there's a, there's a lot of factors that would uh, that would come into play there. I wouldn't say that it would. Uh, it certainly would make it more difficult for them uh, in in certain circumstances. It very well could. So. Mm. Jeez, my goodness. Well, uh, we're going to get to a new day for the EPA coming up, because I think there's an important question tucked inside of all of this, given um, particularly President Trump's involvement in the Foxconn deal. But before we get there, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about those monitors. You talked about the one in Milwaukee within the manufacturing quadrant, basically, and these other couple of monitors that are way out there. Now, why are they picking up higher levels? Why are those monitors suggesting that uh, that portion of Wisconsin is not in non-attainment when we have this monitor that's right in the middle of manufacturing-heavy Milwaukee saying that we are in attainment? Exactly, and, and it's really a, a meteor, meteorological phenomenon. Uh, ozone is not something that's emitted from a source. You know, your car, your tailpipe doesn't put ozone out. You put out what's called a precursor pollutant. It's a, a VOC, a volatile organic compound, or an oxide of nitrogen. Those compounds form in the atmosphere. They combine in sunlight, and they create ozone. 
Uh, ozone is the pollutant that we're concerned about. You know, ozone, when it's up in the stratosphere, is a good thing. It filters UV rays. When it's down in the troposphere, you know, we breathe it. It's bad. It's trouble. It can lead to uh, various health effects. So what those monitors are picking up is largely transport ozone that comes from other states, even other countries. Uh, DNR has done a phenomenal job of examining this, of documenting how Lake Michigan essentially acts as an oven producing ozone from these precursor pollutants that come from places like Gary, Indiana, Chicago, Illinois. Just basically goes right up the coast and settles along the coast. Uh, they've also documented that once you get about you know two miles inland, that ozone dissipates completely, which is why we see these inland monitors that are actually located near manufacturers uh, are not picking up uh, non-attainment, high, high dangerous levels of ozone. So let me make let me make this clear, and I, I think you have made it pretty clear, but let's make it crystal clear. Wisconsin, under these strict rules put in place in the Obama during the Obama administration, would be paying for Chicago, would be paying for Gary, Indiana, would be paying for Detroit, maybe even Canada. We would be paying for others' non-attainment issues. Yeah, absolutely, and that's. And that's the problem, and it's not just manufacturers who are going to feel the effects. You know, the, the Clean Air Act gives pretty wide uh, swaths of power to regulators to basically dictate things, you know, depending on how severe the classification gets and if it stays in non-attainment over time. They can do things like regulate when you can mow your lawn. They can uh, require the dreaded reformulated gas like we already have here in southeast Wisconsin. Uh, vehicle emissions testing gets pretty intrusive, and, and these are requirements that really hit everyone, not just business owners. We don't really live under that reality like some others have, or we haven't for a while, and I guess that's a, an interesting part of all this. The federal government can tell you when you can and cannot cut your lawn. Yeah, they could they could come in and, and tell you that, you know, if you're on ozone action day, for example, you know, any any number of uh, regulatory requirements could be put into a state implementation plan and, and forced on everybody to comply with very interesting. Lucas Weber, who is General Counsel and Director of Environmental Policy at Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, joins us to talk about a startling uh, plan that looks like it will could very well run its course from the EPA that would designate a big swath of southeast Wisconsin as an ozone non-attainment region. Let's go back in time, because these new rules were put in place. These stricter standards were put in place by the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. But this is a new day. This is a much more friendly administration under President Trump as it relates to business, to manufacturing, to bringing jobs back to this country, to making America great again. How is... Well, how is Donald Trump and Scott Pruitt's EPA forcing this down the throats of Wisconsin? Yeah, so the the Clean Air Act has some pretty uh, hardwired requirements. You know what what they have to do, what they're required to do, what the EPA is required to do. Uh, a lot of what we're seeing right now is really uh, kind of a domino effect that was put in place by the previous administration, and the current administration is just sort of kind of being pushed along as, as they were started uh, a couple of years back. So we're kind of feeling the, the effects. The, uh, the zombie Obama uh, EPA essentially is still alive and, and still attacking uh, business owners here, especially in southeast Wisconsin. 
That's an interesting way to to phrase this. The the zombie Obama administration uh, has the governor. Do you know has the state of Wisconsin appealed to the Trump administration to prove it to uh, the Trump administration EPA and said, hey, listen. The zombie Obama regulations are dogging us. We know that uh, President Trump was very instrumental in the Foxconn deal, wants to see that happen. Uh, he wants to see more manufacturing come to Wisconsin, expand in Wisconsin and the United States. This would seem to stop that from happening. Do you know if there is any appeal from the state of Wisconsin? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Wisconsin to the Trump administration about the EPA plan? Yeah, so that's, that's really the next step. And uh, EPA, in their letter that was sent to the state last Friday, EPA gave Wisconsin until the end of February to basically respond, uh, to submit more information and, and respond with why they, we, they shouldn't take the action that they, uh, EPA signal they would like to take. Uh, so mm -hmm. you, the state will get another uh, chance to submit more information. I, I would expect that they would. Um, I'm, I haven't, uh, I'm not aware of, of any specific conversations that they've had with EPA yet. Um, but that being said, there will also be a public comment period uh, that will be open here as soon as EPA notices this in the Federal Register. There will be a 30-day public comment period to weigh in on the proposal. Very interesting. Well, thank you for keeping us up to date on this. I'm sure Vicki will be very interested moving forward. I will as well as I fill in here at WISN. And we'll keep uh, up to date on this story thanks to you and, and uh, your time on this. Yeah, appreciate it, Matt. Thanks for uh, bringing this issue to uh, to your listeners. Absolutely. Happy New Year to you. Thank you, you too. We're late for a break. Got to get to it. We'll be back in just a moment on the Vicki McKenna Worldwide Radio Network. Hey, bud, what's up? Welcome to the Radio Rumpus Room. Kittle here, you're there. So we get ever closer to 5 o'clock and shut it down time, hold my beer time. A lot of that going on in Washington, D.C. in the swamp, as Vicki has often told you, aptly so. The aforementioned Kittle filling in for Vicki McKenna, who will be back in with you after the first of the year. Until then, you and me, the hammer, and uh, all of the characters here in the uh, Vicki McKenna show. 321-1310 is the phone number in Madison, toll-free along the Vicki McKenna Worldwide Radio Network. The line is 877-235-1310. Over the last uh, several minutes, had someone of sanity and maturity and perspective been in the two rooms where we broadcast this show from, the producer room, and then, of course, the broadcast studio, that person would have said, man, you two guys are geeks, and you need to stop because we just, Joel and I, your fine producer and I, just had a very lengthy 
and way too in-depth conversation, more than likely, about the Star Wars franchise. Well, more about the the new Star Wars the new movie, Star Wars. which you haven't seen. No, but we have we we of course if you have the and I haven't seen it, and so you have you watched it last night and you came away. What was your impression? Now, okay, I will not spoil anything. No for anybody spoiler out there. alerts because I'm taking the kids and we are going this weekend. That's the plan anyway. So no spoilers. Although he did say there is a fair amount of nudity involving no, Wookiees. No, I did not. Get out I believe of here. Wookiees get, get naked in this. I don't think Wookiees are ever clothed, personally. I mean, well, I, what I, about Chewbacca and the belt? I don't think a belt counts as clothing. I suppose Chewbacca doesn't wear the belt over the loins. Exactly. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, no, okay. my, my, my takeaway yesterday is one of the few times in my life I've ever gone to see a movie when it finished, I didn't know what to say. And sometimes that's a really positive thing, like, mm-hmm. I guess, because I mean, it's happened when I've really gotten blown away. Oh, yeah, away I've, seen by... movie, I've seen movies like, wow, yeah. I can't even speak right now. This is That was so intense, it left a mark, it left a stain. Yeah, I think when I saw The Matrix for the first time, yeah. you know, Keanu Reeves, that was a good one. Like I mean, That was one of those movies where it was just, because was, everything was so new there, that it was yeah. just, wh- what did I just watch? I wouldn't readily admit to that, but you did. So the that's, Matrix that's is thing. one of the, oh, come on, that's incredible. I, you know, I've never seen that movie. Well, then I why can't are you see, knocking it? I've seen, like, clips from The Matrix. Oh. And, of course, all the memes from The Matrix about people doing strange things with uh, aerodynamics. It was a technological masterpiece. But it had Keanu Reeves, and so the acting must have been so poor. It was honestly the role he was born to play. Really? Yeah. Because I thought Bill Bill was the role, or Ted, (laughs) whichever one he was. I thought that was truly the role that Keanu Reeves was born to play. Although John Wick, actually. He's pretty good in that as well. Uh, But, uh, no, I don't know. The, The movie, it's good? It's interesting. <laughs> There's some things that happen that make you scratch your head a little bit. What did um, you say? There's some Disneyfication. Yeah, I would of say the Star Wars. Since movie? obviously Disney took over the Star right. Wars franchise, yeah. I, this movie you didn't see it so much in the last one, the one that came out two years ago. But what do you, when you say Disneyfication, does Goofy show up for a battle no. with? Uh, well, Jar Jar Binks or something. I'm not giving away anything here, but yeah, you've seen yeah. if you've seen the movie's trailer, uh, you did see the little like. Things like the little bird-looking things with the big eyes. Yeah, yeah, that, that's clearly just like a marketing ploy to try okay. to sell toys. They're going to sell those. some toys. Uh, People no, say the Ewoks are all about that, but the Ewoks played a central role in Return of the Jedi. See, this is what I mean. Yeah, this is what I mean. If someone with good common sense and rationality listened in on this conversation, they would say, "You guys are geeks, look, and you I'm, need to move out of your mom's basement." Look, I'm a nerd. Unabashedly, I'm. Well, a nerd. that's and, true, and, but I have an image to uphold. I mean, so much so that. I was really excited the other day because the Doctor Who Christmas special was on. So I had to record that, watch with my wife, and Doctor Who is the best show in the history of television. You are an odd, odd duck. There's only been like 710 episodes of that show. You are an odd, odd duck. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand Doctor Who, and I don't want to take take the time to explain that. Come, don't forget, remind me, please, Hammer, at some point we have to talk about... Our sandwich artist horror stories. It's going to be a good discussion. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be uh, cleansing. I think it's going to be very therapeutic. And I think there are others out there in the listening audience who have had a bad sandwich artist experience, a bad sandwich experience. And I think that this will be good, cathartic. We'll be able to to share and to get that awfulness off of our chest. It'll be sandwich therapy. Hey. Um, Coming up just after 5 o'clock, a conversation with Eric O'Keefe, a little more perspective on the John Doe. But right here and right now, 
Let me give you some of the worst predictions, the worst political predictions of 2017. And here truly is a spoiler alert. Everybody was wrong. This is from Politico, a news organization that has fallen off so far to the left, I no longer can see the, the taillights. But this is a pretty interesting piece. A year ago at this time, the world was falling apart. That, or on the verge of being saved, or maybe something in between, it depended on whom you asked. It's a pretty uh, down-the-road, down-the-middle opening, isn't it? The uncertainty of that moment was the natural heir of all the surprises of 2016. The Brexit vote. Can you believe that? The vote in favor of leaving the European Union, the election of Donald Trump, the defeat of Hillary Clinton, the World Series victory of the Chicago Cubs. And my brother, who is not a Chicago Cubs fan, said, look out, the seventh seal is about to be opened. From that vantage point, predictions about the year were we're not we're now finishing, a time that would mark the end of the Obama era, the first year of the Trump presidency, and a rolling elite identity crisis that has reached every corner of the globe seemed even more uncertain than unusual. Of course, predictions are ever thus. Guess at the outcome of something, and you're bound to be wrong a decent amount of time. And boy, did people get all sorts of things wrong this year. Without further ado, let's go into some of these prediction made by Tony Schwartz. Trump will resign by the end of the year. Of course, barring a brain-scrambling development over the next few days, which this being 2017 is both extremely unlikely but not impossible, President Trump's one-time ghostwriter will have gotten this wrong. It was Schwartz who tweeted... Not just a prediction, but a prayer. Lucky for Trump, it remains unanswered. Prediction. Will North Korea successfully test a nuclear-capable missile in 2017? The answer? No. That wrong-headed prediction was made by Brian Harris of the Financial Times. The forecast, the world in 2017... Its sole bureau chief made a bold prediction North Korea would not test a nuclear-capable missile this year at a time of increasing volatility in the U.S. He wrote, Pyongyang does not know how, how far retaliation might extend. Man, <laughs> that one went out the door. Here's another one I think was pretty interesting. Trump is headed for a do-nothing presidency. This from Josh Barrow. In April, Business Insider's senior editor Josh Barrow unveiled a litany of predictions about the Trump presidency, a majority of which turned out to be, yes, incorrect. The implosion of the American Health Care Act has left Trump with Barack Obama's health care policy, Barrow wrote. Trump health care policy changed nothing. It's true that Republicans have been unable to pass a full repeal of the Affordable Care Act. They've not been just unable, they've just been unwilling. But since then, Trump and the GOP-led Congress have worked together to eliminate the individual mandate, ripping out one of the central components of Obamacare. My bet on a Trump legacy? Nothing, Barrow wrote. 
In December, of course, the Republican Congress passed and Trump signed a sweeping overhaul of the tax system. That's pretty good, but that really is just for starters. That tax reform system slashed the corporate rate to 21%, lowered income taxes for most Americans. And, of course, the legacy in the first year also includes uh, some very significant and important meaningful changes on the U.S. court system. Uh, Not just talking about the importance, the significance of Neil Gorsuch's um, confirmation, nomination and confirmation to the U.S. Supreme Court, but so many district appeals court judges finally changing the direction of generations of left-led efforts to pack the court systems in America with activist judges, those who believe that their job is not simply to interpret the law on a constitutional basis, but to interpret the law in what Justice Kennedy on the Supreme Court has said, the living, breathing Constitution. All right, one more. This one was... (laughs) Especially bad prediction. In six months, Trump will be holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy. Uh, That one did not come to pass either. In February, following news that Trump aides communicated with Russian operatives before the election, thus beginning in full focus the whole bad narrative, the lousy, factless narrative of Russian collusion with the Trump administration, Trump campaign officials. This is before the election. Liberal commentator John Avravosis, excuse me, Aravosis, imagined that Trump would face a dire outcome in the near future. He'll be lucky if all we do is impeach him, Aravosis tweeted. I predict in six months Trump will be holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy. In fact, exactly six months after Aravosis made the prediction, Trump woke up at his manse in Bedminster, New Jersey, and went to the White House for a few things before departing to spend the evening holed up at his beloved Trump Tower in Manhattan. Some of the predictions uh, that were really not very good, in fact, dead wrong, uh, and I think overall the left has made all kinds of predictions, and they all relate to the ouster of Trump, all of them. Wrong. All of them. Stick around. We'll offer a few spare thoughts on this passing fleeting hour right around the corner. It's the Vicki McKenna Show with yours truly, Matt Kittle, on the worldwide Vicki McKenna Radio Network. This is what I do not understand about all the lame, dire predictions, particularly from the left last year about Trump. Is your life worse off because Donald Trump was elected? And I mean really. I'm not talking about the stupid rhetoric. Oh, he this could do this. And I'm not talking about the Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's. People will die if we get rid of Obamacare, if we cut taxes, all that crap. Personally, is your life worse off because of Donald Trump. Did Donald Trump take your job? Did he take your health care? Did Donald Trump strangle to death your favorite uncle? Did Donald Trump 
give you some incurable disease. None of that happened. What what has Donald Trump done except for his most signature event, along with the legislature, cut taxes for the vast majority of Americans? That's bad? I just don't understand. All of the hyperbole, all of the overheated rhetoric that we have had to deal with for the last year, one, nearly one year into this guy's presidency, and yet you may not like what he tweets, you may not like that he's, he's not so nice always, and he doesn't play nice with the media, you don't like that, fine, that he can be uncouth, and that he can be boorish and all of that, but it's what the guy does that's the most important thing. And has he taken anything away from you? Has he made your life worse? I don't think so. I don't think anybody can really truly say that in America. All right, we got to get off to news. Much more coming up next. Final hour of the Vicki McKenna Show next. The views expressed on the following program are not necessarily the views of WIBA, its management, sponsors, or staff. Broadcasting live from Planet Madison, where everything is beyond parody. This is the Vicki McKenna Show. To be a part of the program, in Madison, call 321-1310. Statewide, call toll-free at 877-235-1310. Or email vicki at wiba.com. Now, here's Vicki McKenna. Good Thursday evening, you exceptional Americans and my fellow deplorables. The ride home. Here we are. We've arrived. Man, this week is going by fast. It helps, of course, when you have the first couple of days off. The year is just about over. 2017 nearly in the books. Matt Kittle in for Vicki McKenna today. Vicki will be back with you after the first of the year. In fact, next Tuesday, rested and ready to go. I am Matt Kittle. I'm an investigative reporter at MacGyver News Service, the MacGyver Institute, located in the belly of the liberal beast Madison, Wisconsin, where socialism isn't merely celebrated, it's a way of life. Thank you for joining us. Coming up just right around the corner, we're going to delve back into, take a little deeper dive into Wisconsin's infamous John Doe investigation. We will talk to one of the targets, one of the conservative targets, who was harassed, intimidated, and spied upon, but a guy who fought back, both uh, in court and in the court of public opinion, Eric O'Keefe of Wisconsin Club for Growth and a national conservative activist will join us momentarily. Perspective on a few new developments involving some bombshell revelations in the last several weeks following the attorney general's report into the leaks, the illegal leaks involved in the the John Doe investigation. Uh, Lots of things went on in 2017. In fact, it's it's hard to believe that all that took place in 2017 
actually occurred in one calendar year. And I think that has a lot to do with just how active politics has been. And I mean that in the very best sense of that word and the very worst. We have seen this year an unprecedented, at least in our memory, an unprecedented era of attacks involving the media. And I mean that goes both ways. The drive-by, the accomplice, mainstream, usual suspect media, however you want to describe it, spending the vast majority of its time trying to do whatever it can to push its anti-Trump narrative. And if you don't believe me, take a look at some of the media commentary, the media analysis done by some very good, reputable folks who have studied this stuff for years. 95% of the stories written about President Donald Trump this year have been considered clearly patently negative. Clearly. Now, of course, there will be uh, Trump opponents on the left, some on the right, saying, well, because Trump deserved it, because Trump is Trump, you know. We wouldn't go around tweeting all these things and doing all these things and saying all these things. And Yeah, really? Yes, Trump is much more confrontational than the last president and uh, probably more confrontational than most presidents, although I believe Andrew Jackson would have given him a good run for his money. <laughs> and he was a Democrat. Yeah, that Andrew Jackson Twitter account is pretty rough. I'm going to tell you something. When that guy had something to say, he said it. And sometimes he said it in a duel. <laughs> I haven't I haven't so far. Trump has threatened to sue a lot of dudes and dudettes, but I have not yet heard him utter the word, Sir! You have impinged my honor, sir. Slap of the glove across the face. Now choose your weapon. He did say that he could kill somebody on Fifth Ave, and nobody he would did care. say that during so, during during the campaign. Challenge someone to a duel. Let's test it out. Let's go. Let's okay. go back. Let's go back to <laughs> Hamilton Burr days, shall we? Yeah. Everybody yeah. misses. No, it's just it's been an incredible time period, and so much has happened, of course. But I, and the other side of things, of course, Trump has not made his life easier by going after the media the way he has. Uh, he has complicated his life. And quite frankly, there have been times, I think we all as conservatives have screamed and wanted to pull our hair out and said, hey, man, listen, the ha who cares what they have to say? Who cares what this B-level celebrity has to say? Who cares what this, we already know they're a partisan news organization. You know what? The best the, the the best revenge is success. Go ahead. Go about your business. Get it done. But that's not his style. And you know what? So far, he's gotten the stuff done, so who, who cares? Um, you will find at MacGyverInstitute.com, MacGyver's Top 10 of 2017. Now, we will have a story coming up that will have the top stories in general of the year, whether those took place in Wisconsin, whether those took place nationally or internationally, what we deem to be the top stories. But this, these are the stories that we worked on that we think had a lot of resonance. Not all of them were, were really reported or looked into by 
the usual suspect media. They didn't think that uh, these sorts of things were important or whatever. We did. And so these are the top 17. You'll find them there. Uh, Real quickly, number 10, Harry Potter and the Prudent City Council. It seems to be an article of faith that tourism is good for local communities. But that belief was put to the test in Edgerton when the organizers of the Harry Potter Festival wanted the city government to pitch in between $100,000 and $200,000 for this year's festival. They said it would bring in tens of thousands of people, which would be good for local businesses, which would be good for the city. The city council realized only a handful of people in town would benefit from that, yet everyone would be paying the bill. They rejected the festival's request, a victory for local taxpayers and responsible government. Uh, Then, if you recall, the Harry Potter Fest moved down the road (laughs) Uh, to a small town that took in all kinds of people. And those people were really not happy (laughs) with what was put on as the Harry Potter Festival. Uh, oh, there's so much more here. I hope you get a chance to read it. Referendum madness, all kinds of referenda from school districts wanting more and more of your taxpayer cash. Top five wasteful UW classes. That's good. Uh, if you haven't read that, you'll be surprised. And then again, you might not be. Fight for free speech on campus was a huge issue that was mainly ignored. And then a story that a lot of folks had, and rightfully so, Foxconn makes Wisconsin home. You'll see all the top ten stories. You'll remember many of them. You'll say, oh, I've, I didn't know about I forgot about that. Or That's interesting. You'll find it at MacGyverInstitute.com. Let's take a break. Coming up next, a conversation with conservative activist and John Doe target Eric O'Keefe on The Vicki McKenna Show. It is interesting to me, interesting in a very galling way, as I'm sure it is significantly more galling to the conservatives who were victimized by... With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wisconsin bureaucrats, government agents, and prosecutors for years. We find out now from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that one of the lead prosecutors in Wisconsin's infamous John Doe investigation will be able to take home $800,000 in a pension payout from Milwaukee County in what is certainly a pyramid scheme concocted against taxpayers. Not only that, but David Robles, who is cited in the Wisconsin Attorney General's recent bombshell report as someone who should face the music for violating the conduct of the courts, David Robles will get his $60,000 a year pension as well. And we say this, where is the justice for the people 
who were abused in the John Doe. One of those people, and one of the most outspoken conservatives on the John Doe, a conservative activist who's had a great deal of success nationwide, but I think his best success has been his tenacious fight against the silencing, the attempt to silence the right, the successful attempt in many cases to silence the right in Wisconsin. And he is Eric O'Keefe. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Hey, Matt. How are you? Good. I wanted to start there. I wanted to get your first reaction to this report in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that one of the people who was so instrumental in this John Doe investigation, who played such a prominent role in the Democrat-led Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office investigation into multiple, multiple conservatives in this state and tried to silence those conservatives and did so. How do you feel about this settlement, if you will, or this big pension payout for David Robles? Well, uh, it's repellent because he was not a public servant. So we were taxed to pay his salary while he harassed us. We were taxed again to pay for his defense attorneys when I sued him. And now we're taxed for the rest of his life to pay his pension as a reward for his disservices to the public. It is uh, startling, to say the least. And meanwhile, many years later, uh, now uh, way past four years after... John Doe uh, law enforcement agents instructed by John Doe prosecutors in the former Government Accountability Board raided the homes of innocent citizens. Four years later, you're still waiting for justice. Do you believe justice will ever be served with what we know, especially now what we know in the Attorney General's report? Um, I don't have an opinion on that, Matt, but... To me, even more important than justice. If justice is defined as punishing the villains, um, probably not. If justice is a national civics lesson in the debasement of our legal system in service to politics, then we may get something more valuable than punishing the culprits here because we have a diseased political system, and it was illustrated most starkly here in Wisconsin. It's been a while since uh, you and I have talked about this, uh, and, and there have been so many developments since we've talked last. But we find out now from the Attorney General, Brad Schimmel, that in a deeper look, we see the Government Accountability Board, now the disbanded Government Accountability Board, and its successor agent, the Ethics Commission, holding on to John Doe-related documents or secret investigative documents now going back to 1990. Uh, that, along with folders that were labeled Opposition Research, very troubling details coming out of the uh, Attorney General's report what do you think about the, the latest information in uh, the John Doe investigation? It's difficult, uh, Matt, to make any other interpretation than this. We, the taxpayers, were funding a domestic spying operation aimed at conservatives and Republicans in the state of Wisconsin and eventually nationally. Uh, we, the taxpayers, were being hit under the cover of a supposedly nonpartisan agency for what was essentially a left-wing domestic spying operation which converted its stolen documents into the John Doe attack 
in combination with John Chisholm of Milwaukee County. That's all it was from the beginning, all the John Doe's. Furthermore, the fact that these go back to 1990, long before the creation of GAB, mm. suggests that Kevin Kennedy and his hirelings were at work for their left-wing agenda throughout their tenure. And in fact, they framed the Government Accountability Board to facilitate their plan of over, or basically of vetoing elections that they didn't like. This was all about overturning the Walker election. This was about the Government Accountability Board, tax-paid, full-time, supposed bureaucrats, picking the winners of elections and overturning elections they don't like. Gosh, that sounds familiar, doesn't it, Eric? I mean, think about what's going on nationally. Think about what's going on in the swamp. You have an established state of bureaucrats who are uh, accused of trying to overturn the election of a president. Same scenario here involving a Republican governor, and some of these uh, similarities are striking. Yes, Matt, I think they go beyond similarities. It's a national disease, and frankly, uh, one part of our um, body politic uh, believes that uh, conservatives are evil and uh, that they should use any means necessary to crush us, basically. So the saddest thing in the Wisconsin John Doe, other than the traumatization of innocent children, the irreversible you know, traumatization of innocent children, and by the way, what kind of person does that? What do they think of us? What do they think of us? when they, What does it say about their attitude toward us, our families, their neighbors, when they do that? to taxpayers. It, it's, it's something deeper than contempt. Um, and uh, All of these raids, by the way, all of these telling. raids, all of these coordinated raids, all of these law, law enforcement actions taken before the break of dawn, coordinated actions on October 3rd, 2013, and the other raids that occurred before that, of, of course, occurred on allegations based on a bogus theory that was rejected by multiple courts, including the, the John Doe judge, uh, based on this theory of a paper crime, a campaign finance violation, and people had their homes turned upside down over an alleged and wrong-headed campaign finance violation. What does that right, say Matt. about the nature of this, these bureaucrats and these prosecutors? Yes. And it doesn't take a lawyer to know that that's wrong. And what we did here, what we did at the Wisconsin Club for Growth, has always been legal in Wisconsin. What they did, the rating parties, has always been illegal in Wisconsin. And here is the dark shadow that hangs over the state. No Democratic legislator has criticized the John Doe, the home raids, mm. the process, the Government Accountability Board. All of them voted to retain the abuse of law to retain the agency, and even with this new proof of extensive domestic spying on uh, Republican state senators, the Democrats are attacking not the gab, not the culprits, they're attacking the attorney general, they're shooting the yeah. messenger, and they're attacking me again, Matt, and we have Representative Chris Taylor suggesting that I should be in jail for blowing the whistle on this. 
Eric O'Keefe. Eric O'Keefe, conservative activist, Wisconsin Club for Growth. He and Wisconsin Club for Growth, along with 29 other conservative groups, multiple conservatives in this state targeted in the infamous John Doe investigation. Of course, we will continue to follow this story in the Vicki McKenna Show and at MacGyver News Service at MacGyverInstitute.com. Let's take a break for news, the usual updates, and then we'll close this baby down for a Thursday night. Stick around. It's the Vicki McKenna Show with yours truly, Matt Kittle, on the Vicki McKenna Worldwide Radio Network. Good looking, what you got cooking? The sledgehammer in with you as we roll out this edition of the Vicki McKenna Show, the final minutes. Kittle here, you are there. What's on your mind? Let's talk. 321 1310, toll free 877 235 1310. Uh, I don't know if you heard the commercial before, but it was talking about a uh, uh, little bit of information, tourism information about where to go, what to do. The one thing they brought up was the carp. The carp drop in Prairie du Chien. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a doozy. That no, that is. A, people go there. They have a fun time. They embrace the carp. They watch the carp slide on down the pole. I, uh, I'll be honest. I didn't know this. Was I know a there's thing. Are, there are some clubs uh, around town where people watch the same sort of. Not a carp, but uh, a lot of sliding down poles and what have you on oh. uh, New Year's Eve and, and other nights for that matter. But no, it's it's a big deal in Prairie du Chien. They get people from all over the place. They come over and they see the carp. I remember. Uh, working at a newspaper many a year ago, many moons ago, and uh, that was the first year they did the carp drop, and we sent a reporter there. Uh, tough to do that on deadline, you know, because you're at midnight, and basically the newspaper is going to uh, going to press. Well, the internet didn't exist. That. The internet didn't exist. Well, I remember in my day when we used to cover newspapers with uh, without the internet. He had to send in his story by Morse code. That's exactly right. We had the cable guy who would uh, click out our our posts, our dispatches. Jeez. Oh, that was a uh, good fun. And then the other one was uh, they were talking about um, if you can't stay up for New Year's Eve, and that's the struggle that I have. As a guy in his mid-40s with kids 10 and under, it's it, we always have and we've long had the family New Year's Eve party. Just just our family and we get together. Uh, and like last year we did the roller skating at the, the roller skating, uh, you know, at the, the rink. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I did that. It was okay. kind of fun on uh, New Year's Eve. That's fun. And then the, and then we did our, you know, our big feast, and we got a bunch of snacks and things, and, and we, we fondued. We got to meat on a stick and put it in the boiling hot oil. That's always good when you have young children around. Have <laughs> scalding hot boiling oil. Every time I've tried that, I end up burning myself. Well, Every sure. Time. The, everybody does. It's, That's the beauty of fondue. What a ridiculous food. That's it. It is, but it, it just makes you feel so much like an animal. Uh, <laughs> That, that's standing fair. around a hot cauldron of boiling oil and putting a piece of steak on there and of course you all you, you know you can only do so many sticks at a time so you're cooking it up and by the time you're finished with the seventh round of fondue you've almost eaten uh, a six ounce sirloin yeah. anyway so they're talking about staying up and it's 
especially after a week like this, and you know exactly what I'm saying, Hammer. You know, you filled in, you've worked the early shift, you've worked the late shift, you're all over the place, lots of extra hours, lots of extra time, you're exhausted. And so what do you do on New Year's Eve? You're collapsing into a coma and and sleeping for 14 hours. Oh, would you like to know what I'm doing for New Year's Eve? I bet you're going to sleep for 14 Uh, hours. I will not be because I need to go. uh, Saturday night, I'll be here in the studio here in Madison producing the Badger football game, which will probably coverage will probably go into like two or three in the morning. That's fun. I'll have to wake up and drive to Chicago and go to a wedding, a New Year's Eve wedding. You've got to be kidding me. Nope. Who the hell gets married on New Year's Eve? What an imposition. It's a How thing. How impolite It's is a thing that? now. I, people that shouldn't it. be a thing. It, I'm, it's going to be two degrees in the windy city. Well, the good news is that it's in a hotel. It's all like it's all in that hotel, so we don't have to go outside. Do you basically. like these people? You must really like these people. It's a good friend of my wife's from college. Yeah, oh. a sorority sister. I, no, I mean they're great. They're they're cool. They're fine. I don't know them that well. No, but, uh, they sound like they're very imposing. They sound like they're <laughs> trying to impose their will on what a wedding night should be. And I will tell them now: cancel this uh, insane mission into matrimony and get married at a more comfortable time of the year. It's. Um after the week I've had this week, oh my god, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle that to make it to midnight. Crazy, I don't, I don't know how close I would have to be to a family member or friend to go to a wedding, to drive three hours to downtown Chicago for a wedding on New Year's Eve when it's supposed to be like by the time. The wedding ceremony is over, and you're dancing, and you're eating the cake. It's going to be like four degrees below zero with a wind chill of 90 below. Well, and, and you know, 90, yeah. And uh, here's here's my question, right? So I've, I'm at the age now where I'm starting to kind of slow down on the wedding train, um, but there was a couple years in there where I was going to 10, oh, yeah. you 10 get, weddings get a year. Get into your mid-20s, into your late-20s, into your early-30s, and man, you got it. You got to have a wedding budget. Yeah, the the wedding the year we got married was uh, our wedding was the 11th wedding that year for us that summer. You got to be and, kidding! Oh, it was horrible. No, you, it was you ridiculous. This is where you become discerning, selective, and you say, "Yeah, I suppose uh, he bailed me out of jail that one time in college, but I'll send a card." Yeah, we've done that a little bit since then. Yeah, you got to be a little. Down. You got to be a little more selective. Eleven weddings. It sounds like. It sounds like the friends, and I put air quotes around that, the friends that you are trying to please by showing up at their wedding are more like Facebook friends. You know what I'm saying? It's probably fair if we went back. You have 300 you have 300 Facebook friends. None of those people you'd ever really truly want to see or know. And you, you don't even want to know what they're doing on Facebook, say, but here you are. They're your care. friend. Yeah. Okay. But the original point I was trying to make, and we'll get to a break in just a minute. Is it wrong? Here is a moral question for you. Is it wrong if you have smaller children and they are so excited to celebrate the new year, and that's the one time of year, maybe a couple of times a year, they can stay up until midnight, stay up late, even though you know that that will be detrimental to their conduct the following day, (laughs) to your sanity? Um just to the balance of life surrounding you. Is it wrong, especially when they can't necessarily tell time too well? 
<laughs> so what you are relying on is the ignorance of your children and a natural ignorance because you don't learn to tell time until a certain point, right? Is it wrong to follow Nova Scotia time? Nova Scotia time? Yeah. I'm not even talking about like East Coast time. Oh, it's midnight. Ringing that's, in the new year. There it is. That's what I was talking about. Happy New Year. Hey, wait a minute, Dad. That's in New York. They're in a different time zone. Yeah, it's sunny outside. <laughs> you no, know, I'm talking about how about how about Lisbon time? Okay, okay. <laughs> a little too early. Okay, all right. Even I think East is Coast. it okay? Is it acceptable to set the clock ahead sometime during the day? Oh, would you look at the? Oh my goodness, we're five minutes away from the New Year. It's, it's ten fifty-five. Is that wrong? After you've promised a New Year's Eve big celebration for the kids, getting to stay up to midnight. And you dupe them out of this one, this experience. Is that wrong? So here's here's my thinking, right? I, I heard about this first a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and I then, from that point on, can't wait to do it with my children some yeah. days. That's why you want to have children, yeah. is, is so that them. you can trick them and dupe them. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I will say this, though. This is something that was a lot easier to do about 10 years ago, because nowadays, kids of a pretty young age have cell phones, or have access to their parents' phones. I I will tell you this. That was the problem with our oldest, Aiden, who loves numbers, he loves math, and he loved time. Time? From from the time. I'm not kidding. This kid... interesting thing to love. You know what this kid wanted and got for his birthday? Oh, boy. A pocket watch? Like an old century um, hourglass. Okay. This is, I mean, he loved time. <laughs> That's interesting. His, his grandfather got him these different kinds of watches. He knew time. He could tell time, you know, and know the different parts of the day, the hours, the minutes by the time he was two years old. Okay, then I got a fix for that situation. Mm-hmm. That's where you kind of, you know, you kind of. Yeah, you're screwed. No, you, no, 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 no. I think there's a way around it. I think that's where you, you go to the, where you go to him and you say, uh, all right, look, we know that you're that you know what's going on here. So you tell know. you what, just go along with it. Let's we'll put the other two to sleep, and then uh, and then you can stay up and watch the real one at midnight if you'd like. I think <laughs> right? there's pro- probably you have to say there's some cash in it. Yeah, exactly. If you go quietly into that good night, <laughs> okay, literally. Or you could do what my brother always suggests, and this is what he suggested, of course, before Santa Claus came to town uh, several days ago. Why in the hell aren't you giving him some Nyquil? Yeah. Because they're not sick. It don't matter. You got to get the, hey, Santa Claus is coming to town. He's got to get the presents out. Slip him some NyQuil. I got an Sweet idea. dreams. I got an idea for you. Yeah. What if you just take them all around town, just really tucker them out during the day, put them down by like 730, and then the next morning be like, oh, it was, uh, we didn't even realize yeah. it was New Year's Eve There's last a problem night. with that. What's that? Because- I'll be tired out by the time I take him around at 7.30. I'm the one who's well, going to be falling asleep yeah, so, in the chair. So all of you guys, just go to bed at like 7.30. They're not going to go to sleep. They're going to be up. It's, well, no, no, no. You lie to them. You tell them it's the 30th. That really, you just, you, you see, go the whole See, this day. is the whole web of lies. Now I, you've, you've answered my question for me. It's wrong. It's all wrong. Well, lying to your kids isn't always wrong. No. Sometimes it's absolutely necessary. In like, fact, most of the time like, I'd say it's right. Like when discussing your past and wanting them to be better human beings. All right, let's uh, close down our uh, our meeting here of the ever-faithful, the ever-searching, and we'll do that uh, momentarily. Stick around the final few minutes of the Vicki McKenna Show here on this late Thursday afternoon.
with yours truly, Matt Kittle on News Talk 1310 WIBA and the Vicki McKenna Worldwide Radio Network. How do, how do, final closing minutes of the Vicki McKenna Show here on the Vicki McKenna Worldwide Radio Network for this Thursday, December 28th, 2017, in the year of our Lord. Man, this show has flown by. And lest we throw out a tease and just be nothing but teases, said this at the beginning of the show, and I said, uh, I asked Hammer to remind me he just did. I would have forgotten. Our sandwich artist horror stories, and I want to delve into that here. Uh, in the remaining time that we have left. Let me put it this way to you. There are a number of jobs in this world that involve a high degree of technical training, years of schooling, years of matriculation at some of the finest institutions of knowledge in the world. Making a sandwich is not one of those jobs Breaking news. Okay, just so we set the stage for where this is about to go. Let me tell you. Uh, my wife sends me a text message right before I get off the air last night. I don't feel like cooking. I don't want to go out into the cold. How about sub sandwiches? You got me. I'll, I'll have the car warm. We'll run in. We'll go to said sub uh, store. I won't name names. But it's one of the places where you can go in and your sandwich artist will make you your sandwich. I get in there and I order four different sandwiches. Now, admittedly, these four sandwiches have different things on them. One is a roast beef sandwich with mayo, lettuce, and hot peppers. One is a turkey sandwich with tomatoes and cucumbers. The other is a turkey sandwich with... Uh, tomatoes, and lettuce, and onion. Every one of those sandwiches came back to me completely wrong. No. I mean, just like they, and, and they look at you like, okay, and you couldn't be any clear. I couldn't have been any clearer with it. I said, okay, this one has turkey. This one has this. This one, you got it? Yeah. So no mayo? Did I say mayo in there? I didn't say any mayo. No mayo. No, no mayo. I got home. All the sandwiches are screwed up. I have to drive back out into the cold. Of course, I'm pretty ticked off by now. And I say, I need you to make these sandwiches over because you screwed them up because it was clear you weren't listening to me to begin with. You know, quite frankly, I guess I'm lucky I didn't get a, you know, somebody hacking in my sandwich after that point. But I'm ticked off. It's not. Is it that complicated to make a sandwich? Well, here I can uh, I can maybe top that. I don't think you can. Well, here I know the story. Well, here today I came in uh, to work and I was I was like, should I stop for food? Should I be a little late? I'm gonna I'm gonna grab some food. Yeah, because Kittle's in. What? Yeah, who cares? Guys, doesn't prepare for the show anyway. Who yeah, cares? So I showed up um, a little bit, little bit late. But anyways, I went to a shop. It was a different shop than yours. I won't once again name names. But I go there and I usually I order my usual thing, which involves French bread. Which is the normal bread for a sub. That's I would the key say. ingredient. Yeah, I would say and uh, and. The, uh, the nice lady who always helps me out behind the desk mm-hmm. informs me that we don't have any French bread today. We have run out. It At is 150. 145 <laughs> in the afternoon, and we are out of the most commonly eaten bread at a sub shop. That's tough. Are we serious yeah. right now? But at least you got most of what you wanted. I had to eat wheat bread. 
but you liked it. That's Actually, the thing. It was. You, he good. turns to me. and He says, "You know what? That's, that wouldn't. That wouldn't do bad. I, yeah. I'd probably order that again." Oh, <laughs> sell your sad sandwich artist story somewhere else. Fair enough. Well, the clock is certainly up. No tricking on that. We'll talk again tomorrow. Meet back here, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, Kittle saying goodbye. So long. God bless. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.